Hello there and welcome back to another, well, Thursday night this week because of Christmas and New Year's. This week and next week, these episodes are going up on Thursdays normally. They're going up on Fridays, so next year, next year, that's crazy to think it's so close, but next year we will be getting back to the regular schedule. But this week, I wanted to talk a little bit about my move and everything that I went through. Last week, I spoke about what I would do, like my checklist to help make things go more smoothly. But I'm gonna talk about what I actually did specifically when coming here. I do know there are at least a few of you who are interested in specifically moving to Portugal, but of course there will be more Italian-related content in the future, and I will be comparing and contrasting between some of my experiences moving to Italy versus moving here to Portugal. But just before we get started, a huge, huge thank you to those of you who've been purchasing the shirts, onesies, mugs, and more for yourself as a gift or for a loved one as a gift or a stocking stuffer through store.rafaeldifuria.com or rafaeldifuria.com slash store. And also a huge, huge thank you to the patrons and one-time donators who've helped to make episodes like this possible. But I think it's time we get started, so roll that intro. So of course, the first thing that I did was to make sure to see how I can stay here in this country legally, in Portugal. But this was even before arriving. Thankfully, because I am also an Italian citizen, I do have the ability to reside pretty much anywhere in the European Union. There are some differences between traveling and living in Europe. Basically, freedom of movement, as far as I understand, covers the ability to travel very easily. While you do have the ability to reside just about anywhere, there are some rules that you do want to keep in mind when you are moving to another EU nation as a citizen of the EU. If you are not a European Union citizen and you would need something like the D7 visa to come here, that is a subject that I plan to talk about in a future episode because there are a few of you who did mention to me that you were interested in that topic specifically. But if you are somebody who's been watching these episodes for a while and you also are a dual citizen like me, then your situation will be in some ways more similar to mine. So, of course, after taking the two seconds to confirm how I needed to stay here, that was actually relatively simple and something I'll go into a little bit in this episode, but something also I'll go into further detail in a future episode. If you are somebody who does have European citizenship, then you have to apply for something called the CRU, C-R-U-E, Certificate of European Union Residence here in Portugal. But I'll, like I said, I'll go into that a little bit more later in this episode and a full episode in the future. But once I had all of that figured out and what I needed to do, of course, the first thing really is to figure out where you're actually going to reside so you can get that residency certificate. There's, there's, one is kind of contingent on the other, sort of. <laughs> but the main thing that I found that, I was, that made things a bit easier for me because I was familiar with Idealista back in Italy, they also have it here in Portugal. Idealista, idealista, whatever, however you pronounce it. But instead of it being idealista.it, it's idealista.pt. Also, one of the nice things is that there is an English version of the website, a translation, and uh, you can even look at some of the listings with a translation in there. However, an issue that I came across, and it seems like there's a lot of other people who've come across this issue as well, is to get a response by email 
through that website. So I don't necessarily recommend getting in contact through their messaging system, but personally, I have enough Portuguese that I can fumble my way through a phone call if at least somebody has the patience on the other end. So that's what I did. Uh, and this was actually coming from Italy. One of the things that why I have recommended in the past that people, if you are going to be there, at least consider having Iliad as your cell phone provider is because of the international minutes that are included. And so I was able to call up some landlines because some countries it's only landlines and Portugal was one of those situations when I was calling. But for those phone numbers that were mobile lines, in most cases, I found that I actually could call the person through WhatsApp and it did work fine. So I had a lot of success actually getting in contact with the landlords and agents by the phone, not so much through texting and not so much through uh, the, the messaging system on the website. So if you do have that ability to communicate a little in Portuguese, or if you have a Portuguese speaking friend, then you may want to consider that. But the thing is, if you have a friend who's Brazilian and you're calling Portugal, these are almost two different forms of the language. So, I mean, yeah, there there is cross communication that is very possible, but just keep in mind, it's a little bit different between the two. So your Brazilian friend may or may not feel comfortable to make a phone call to Portugal. But even though I was able to get in contact with these people, the issue was actually finding an appropriate apartment because either the landlord wanted like a full year up front or they wanted six months up front or they wanted like all these kind of crazy stipulations that I was just saying. Yeah, no, not happening. Unfortunately, because there have been so many expats that have moved to Portugal over the past decade or so, or even more, really, uh, the prices here have been driven up. And even the availability of apartments, it's, there's not a ton on the market. There's a lot that go very quickly. So if you do find something, be sure to jump on it. Don't think about it. There was one place that I hesitated on. In the end, I'm actually glad that I hesitated on because the apartment I'm in now, much nicer than the other apartment. But still, if you are sure about that place and you're a renter, if you're buying, it's a little bit of a different situation. But if you're a renter, yeah, get on it quickly. Eventually, I ended up finding a real estate agent who was able to actually find me a place and help me negotiate because just like Italy, rental prices here are a bit on the negotiable side. But not only did he help me find a place, it was actually a place through a different agency. That's something that I find is fascinating here in Portugal, that some agencies are actually willing to work with each other, even only on a rental. But the guy who I found as the agent who was working on my side, this guy was an absolute saint. If it weren't for this guy, I would have never made this apartment happen. So if you do find an agent that is willing to work with you, hold on to them tight because they will be like gold. And especially in this case, the agent who I found actually was able to communicate in English very well, very, very well. But the other agent who was uh, representing the apartment and the landlord, they didn't speak any English at all. So it really made a huge difference in the end. Now that I'm living in the apartment, I do deal with the agent who was representing the apartment because they're also managing the apartment as well. So we do have to communicate in Portuguese, but thankfully it can happen. And overall, I would say in 
Portugal, you find many more people who are much more comfortable in English than you would probably find in Italy. I'm very much generalizing here, but I think this is a very fair statement to make. Like, and I've been around the country, like this is not my first rodeo. And I can say that having traveled around that, yeah, there's a lot more comfort with English as a second language here. And even I've had plenty of situations in this country where people have said, oh no, I only speak a little, but then their English is much better than yours. So don't even worry about that too much. Yes, learning the language is always, always necessary because you will need it for basic daily things. But again, you still will find some people who can speak some English to you. So while I was going through this apartment hunting phase and the search and the rental and this and that and the other, I was also looking into movers and like I mentioned in the last episode, also about excess luggage because I did want to purchase excess luggage or the ability to take excess luggage with me on the plane. So looked at the airlines, compared and contrasted like five or six different airlines, as well as finding out based on my location, what were the airports that were close to me and what were the flights that were easier to get onto. For me, in the end, it ended up being a debate between Ryanair and TAP, Portugal, TAP, the main Portuguese air carrier. From my location, those just ended up being two of the easiest TAP had some benefits when it came to baggage, but Ryanair had direct flights that were easier from the few airports that I was considering at the time. So if you're in a similar type of situation, you have to figure out what works better for you, what are the pluses, what are the minuses, and what are the prices of the tickets. But in the end, they were very comparable in price. The next thing that I looked into was finding a mover to get my stuff from Italy to Portugal. I'll say this was an absolute nightmare. Dealing with movers that have either the, the origin or the destination in Italy, the prices are often ridiculous. Or you'll find the situation that movers just simply don't want to deal with Italy. I contacted domestically a ton of movers and I contacted a bunch of movers around Europe. And I also contacted movers based here in Portugal. The movers based here in Portugal said they didn't want to go further than France and others said that they didn't want to deal with Italian road fees. So that's also something to take into consideration. And even when I contacted movers locally in Italy, in my area where I was living, I had a very difficult time finding anybody who would agree to even make the move, let alone return a call, because most of them are just saying, yeah, no, we only are interested in dealing with this local area. We are not going to go that far out. It's not worthwhile for us to go out there because the road fees cost too much. In the end, I did find a few companies from around Europe and from around Italy that were able to quote, but the prices were absolutely ridiculous, especially the domestic offers. I think I got one from Rome, Venice, Vicenza, maybe Verona. I, I forget all the different locations, but basically in the end, for basically a small moving truck, they were talking about between 4,500 and 7,000 euros. They would come and they would pack up everything, but ain't no way I was gonna pay that much. I had enough stuff to take with me and then also the people that I was moving with that together it would have been more costly to replace things, but that was too ridiculous of a price. In the end, I did find a company in the UK, it's a listing website, basically think of like eBay, but instead of you bidding on items, basically moving companies bid on you. 
so that was really great. Like I put in the moving details and it was really easy to go with. If you are going to be moving within Europe and you're interested in that information, feel free to send me a private message on Instagram. and I'll be happy to share that with you. So in the end, this website, they're based in the UK. I dealt with a moving company that was based in the UK and the Czech Republic. The driver was from Poland and on each end there was uh, there were assistants, there were porters to, that actually helped the driver to load and unload. In Italy, it was, a, I think, another Polish guy or maybe a Czech guy. I'm not sure where he was from. But then locally here, it was actually a guy who lives in the city. So it was really cool um, to have that experience. But yeah, also moving during this time in the world right now. Definitely a nightmare, definitely a lot more to consider, and the prices are a bit higher than what they were years ago. Anyway, so once I had the contract signed with the apartment, then that's when I organized the tickets and the movers. It was all a huge jumble to get everything because it ended up being very, very last second with all of this. And of course, the day after that I signed the contract, with the uh, with the the apartment, and also that was actually something I was able to accomplish uh, from a distance. It was a bit of a headache to get that done. Um, I can maybe go into more detail with that in a future episode. Getting signatures notarized in Italy is very expensive. In the end, I was able to find somebody based in the U.S. who was able to notarize my signatures because they're certified to work online. Again, if you need a recommendation for that, feel free to contact me via Instagram. But some of you may have seen those posts that I made on Facebook and Instagram asking if anybody was a notary or knew a notary. It was such a headache because just in Italy alone, I was getting quotes from like 600 euros and up to thousands of euros because they had to confirm like, again, if you've watched also past episodes of mine or even episodes of the Italian Citizenship Podcast, you'll know that notaries in Italy are like, super lawyers. They're, they have many more qualifications than even a normal lawyer would have. Unlike a notary in the US, you go through it. It's not as difficult. You don't have to become a lawyer to become a notary there. But for them to actually deal with the documents, I had to get them translated. Then I had to get them to actually look at the signature. But not only that, they would actually have to go and make sure that the contract was legal under Italian law. So it's like, I don't need all of these headaches. I don't care if it's legal under Italian law. It just needs to be legal under Portuguese law. <laughs> don't bother me with that. So anyway, I was able to get that taken care of in the end. But the day after, what I was saying before was that Portugal changed the rules of entry into the country just after I signed the contract to get this apartment. The new rules at that time were that uh, starting, I think, from basically it was going to be the moving day or the day before my moving day. To get into the country, you were required to take a test. And that didn't matter whether you got the jab or didn't get the jab for everybody across the board. So then I had to scurry around to find where to get tests and this and that. Thankfully, it was actually really easy. Thankfully, I was just able to go to a local pharmacy just very close to where I was living and get it taken care of. Very quick, very easy to do. 
And when I arrived in Portugal, yes, they did actually check for the test. So that was annoying on top of all the other stress I was dealing with to do with them, having to run around from this office to that office to that, 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 get the tickets. And anyway, I'm here in the end, made it here just barely <laughs> by the skin of my teeth, but definitely can say it's been very worth it. So the next part of dealing with this whole process is that you have to get uh, your crew, like I was mentioning before, C-R-U-E, if you are a European Union citizen, and then also healthcare taken care of. And actually getting the residency registration here in Portugal, I would say is actually easier than opening up a bank account. <laughs> like, unbelievably easier. Um, that is... The, the whole opening up a bank thing, again, this is something I will go into a future episode, but that was something that I did after getting my registration for the residency here, just because on my uh, contract for the apartment itself, it didn't have the zip code of where the apartment was. So when I went to the bank, the first time the guy said, hey, I can't do anything about this because it doesn't have the zip code. So if you want to try to get a bank account here as quickly as possible, be sure that you do have at least your full address and the zip code and the city and everything written on the contract. Otherwise, you'll have to wait for your first um, bill for utilities or the registration certificate. Also, there are other things that you will need, and it was not necessarily a straightforward process. And there are some funny little rules that I ended up learning about while I was going through this process. But again, I'll go into that process in a future episode. When getting the crew, it was very simple. Basically, most of it was taken care of by email because of the current rules and with the current situation and everything going on here. So basically, all of the documents that I had to submit, I just sent via email, uh, just scans of those documents. And there weren't a ton because of being an Italian citizen. This made it actually a bit easier to be able to remain here. The rules for that you can find online, but there are like some little finer details which can change between city to city and uh, office to office. So that's something, like I said, again, future episode. And that is basically what it comes down to with my move and how I actually made my way here from Italy to Portugal. But of course, if you're an American citizen coming from the US or a non-European coming from anywhere outside of Europe, there are some other steps that you do have to take to get a visa here and so on. Like I said, I'm going to do a future episode on the D7. But for more information about what I would say to look into for the move, just regardless of where you're coming from, to make things easier for yourself, take a look at last week's episode, the episode just before this one, and that will give you some of the steps that I've taken during my international moves since having left to live abroad more than 12 years ago to help make things go more easily during each of my moves. Definitely recommend that. Anyway, I think this is going to be a great place to leave it off. And whether you celebrate it or not, may you have a very Merry Christmas or a wonderful time of this year, this winter season. I'll see you next Thursday for another episode of Not Your Average Globetrotter. Again, after next week, we'll be getting back to the regular Friday night schedule. Of course, also a huge thank you to those of you who've been helping to support these episodes to be possible and supporting this project through the shirts, mugs, onesies, and more through Patreon, and through the one-time donations. Thank you all so very, very much. Of course, as always, I'm Rafael Di Furia. This has been another episode of Not Your Average Globetrotter. Stay safe and healthy out there, and holly and jolly. And I'll see you all next time. Later. Later.